You're listening to the Revision Path Podcast, a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers, web designers, and web developers. Through in-depth interviews, you'll learn about their work, their goals, and what inspires them as creative individuals. Here's your host, Maurice Cherry. Welcome to the Revision Path Podcast. My name is Maurice Cherry. And before we get to this week's interview, I've got to give it up for our sponsors. You know them, MailChimp Hover and Creative Market. MailChimp, of course, is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Join more than 7 million people who use MailChimp to design and send 500 million emails every day. MailChimp also just rolled out some powerful new A-B testing features, and they've released an update for list importing. So say you're connected to Eventbrite for events or FreshBooks for your accounting. It's now so much easier to import contacts for sending campaigns. So something I'm really looking forward to trying out for my business. Sign up for a free account at MailChimp.com. You need a new domain for your next project? Check out Hover. Each domain comes with free private domain registration, unlimited domain forwarding, and world-class customer support. And the great thing that I like about Hover's search engine is that they also look at a lot of those new top-level domains out there like .design or .nyc. It's pretty cool. Go ahead and grab yourself a domain today. Use the promo code BACKTOSCHOOL and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at only $2. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday. Of course, today is Monday. And they've got great bundle promotions every month. Uh, Tomorrow, which is August the 18th, is the last day for the August Big Bundle. That's 130 items for only $39. There's some really great graphics and Photoshop add-ons, some really nice fonts in there. So make sure you check it out. And if you see something else that you like, use our promo code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. All right, of course, I don't want you to forget about taking our audience survey. Just head over to revisionpath.com forward slash survey and fill that out. Everyone who submits a survey will be entered into a giveaway for a $100 Amazon.com gift card. The survey will close at the end of the month, so don't wait until the last minute to get on that. Again, that's revisionpath.com forward slash survey. I'd love to hear from you. Here's our Patreon fundraising campaign update. We are now up to 18 patrons for a combined total of $130 per month. Again, huge, huge thanks to all of you who have already pledged your support and appreciation for the show. It really means a lot to be able to keep the show going like this with your help. If you want to become a patron of Revision Path and get access to some really great perks like special giveaways, early access to future episodes, or a monthly Google Hangout with me and other Revision Path supporters, head on over to patreon.com forward slash revision path and make that happen. Pledge levels are super affordable. They start at just $1 per month. Can't beat that. All right, now on for this week's interview. I had the chance to talk with Tiffany Middleton. Tiffany's a graphic designer and a photographer in Dallas, Texas, who specializes in sports design. It's really interesting. Pretty cool. Let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Tiffany Middleton, and I am a graphic designer and a photographer, um, and I'm currently working with Panini America. Now, tell me about Panini America, because when I first heard about it, I was thinking sandwiches. Like, I guess you work for like a sandwich place. <laughs> I, and I know that's not what it is, but that's what I thought. But tell the people what Panini does. Well, actually, I guess in like a short nutshell, they make like trading cards and sports memorabilia. And actually, the name Panini does mean sandwich. 
the company is from Italy, and so like their last name is Panini, which means sandwich, and so that's oh. like why the name makes people think of a sandwich because that's what it means in Italy. <laughs> so yeah. What are you doing specifically at Panini? Well, I just started maybe like two weeks ago. So I'm just designing. Uh, there's probably like eight other designers. And I'm actually the only girl on the design team, which like every time somebody asks me, they're like, you're the new girl. And I'm like, yeah, you know, and one lady was like, there hasn't been a girl there in like 10 years. So that's kind of a big honor. Oh. So yeah, it's been pretty cool. The guys are really good designers. So I'm just trying to keep up with them. How does it feel being the only girl there? Um, well, I guess it never like hits me or like I never think about it until somebody else says, oh, you're the only girl or oh, you're the new girl. Other than that, I just like kind of do what I've always been doing in my life. So just like not really paying attention to like being the only girl or like being different than other people around me. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, you and I have something in common in that we are both from small towns in Alabama. Oh, you're from Alabama? Uh, yeah, I'm from Alabama. Where are you from in Alabama? Um, you probably never heard of it. It's called Childersburg. I am familiar with Childersburg. Okay. Childersburg is in Talladega County. Yeah. <laughs> My mom went to Talladega College, so that's how I know about Childersburg. Yeah, so what was it like growing up there? Well, as you can imagine, I mean, it's very slow. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. whenever I tell anybody I went, I'm from Childersburg, like, they're like, where is that? And I just end up having to say, like, Clubs by Birmingham, which is... Not really right. close, but I mean, I love it. It's kind of right outside. It's like about what, like 50 miles out, uh, like down 280? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it takes me about 30, 40 minutes to get to Birmingham. So, okay. yeah, but I mean, it's really small. There's really like nothing to do unless you play sports. So, like growing up, it was just always sports because that's the only thing besides school to do. But I feel like being from a small town makes me special just because, like, my whole family lives there. Everybody I know, like from my mom's side, is from Julesburg. And it's always like an interesting story because when I don't tell people like it's close to Birmingham, I have a cousin that plays in the NBA and he's from Julesburg and that's how people know. So, yeah. Oh, who's your cousin that plays for the NBA? Um, His name is Jura Wallace. He's pretty old, so you may not know him, but oh. he's from Alabama <laughs> okay. now. So it's like that's the only other way or the Soda Park. I tell people that's in Julesburg too. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm from uh, from Selma originally. Oh, okay. I grew up, yeah. So I know about the <laughs> the cloistered feeling of being in a small town. Like you said, there's there's not really anything to do there but sports. <laughs> Is that kind of what fueled your passion for sports design? Yeah, it really did. Because I've always been like an artist. So I was like that kid that like played with paint and like drew pictures and stuff. But I was probably like the only one in my class, and everybody else was like playing sports. I think like one year in high school they had an art class. And that same year, I played basketball. And so I was in the class for like two weeks into my um, basketball coach was like, we have basketball class, you have to be in there. And so I wasn't even able to like stay in art class. So, yeah. And so from being in Childersburg, and I think anyone that has grown up in Alabama knows that college football is like a big way of life. I think the rivalries are set pretty early on, like you're either an Alabama <laughs> fan or you're an Auburn fan. And you went to Auburn University, which... Actually, it's a straight shot down 280 from Childersburg. Yeah, it's uh, like an hour away. What made you want to go there? Were you like an Auburn fan? Well, actually, my entire family are Alabama fans, except for my dad. He's not really a big football fan, but when it came to college, just because I'm from Childersburg and it's so small, 
he just wanted me to go to Auburn because he thought it was like a big campus, but kind of a small city. So I really kind of like argued him down to go to Alabama. Um, I actually had a cousin who wanted to go to Auburn. I wanted to go to Alabama and I ended up going to Auburn and she ended up going to Alabama. So it kind of was a switch. So like the first couple of days, I was like, I'm not going to be an Auburn fan at the end. The year I enrolled was the year that Cam played, and I just uh, fell in love. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, I mean, I think there's something to be said for going to a college that's really like part of a college town, uh-huh. because that adds like a different level of, I guess, of like camaraderie among your classmates and the the people that live there. Like, I'm in Atlanta, and so right outside of Atlanta is Athens, and that's where UGA is. Oh uh, yeah, and so, I've been there. <laughs> Yeah, so like outside of UGA, Athens is like a fairly just kind of small town, kind of known for music, but not really. But, you know, Athens comes alive during the football season. And with college towns like that, there's just so much energy there during the football season and everything that really kind of contributes to that that whole environment. Yeah, Auburn, like, it's really small, but when football season comes, it's a whole different thing. Like, I used to hate football season because there'd be so many people, and I'll be driving down the small roads, and people would just walk out in front of me because there's so many people. Like, it's not enough people to hold the people that come, and game days are super crazy. Like, experiencing a game as a student was wild, and then when I started working at Auburn, like, being on the field, that's just a whole different experience, like... Yeah. Probably one of the best experiences of my life. Well, I do want to talk about about you working for Auburn University after you graduated. But while you were there, you studied graphic design, right? Yeah. What's the graphic design program like? It's very, very hard. I think, like, the program starts off with maybe 70 to, like, 90 people just in pre-graphic design, like, trying to get in. And, of course, like, for most of my classes, I was the only black girl, and then I had one one other girl in one of my classes who I'm like really good friends with now. But besides that, like it was just me for most of the time. And you have to do your first year, you take like your basic classes, like English, science, and then you take basic like drawing. What is it? Like design one. And then from those classes, they take the top like 15 students and they like rank you from like GPA. And then those mm-hmm. people go into like type one and processes one. And then from that class, you do a portfolio review after you're done with those classes and then they make cuts too. So, you know, luckily I made it through both of those cuts the first time and I was able to start my actual like design core classes in my sophomore Mm -hmm. year. But a lot of times, like it takes people two or three times to get in. Like I had some friends that they probably got into the program like two semesters behind me. So that's interesting. So they actually just cut people from the program if they're not ranked highly enough? Yeah, well, I guess like pre-graphic design, you're not in the program yet. So if you like go to school and like declare major like graphic design, there's Uh a chance that you will never be in graphic design. Like you have to get in. And so and I didn't know that because growing up, you know, from Chillsboro, I didn't know anything about graphic design. And I knew I liked art. So I just randomly pick graphic design and so I didn't know that it was going to be so hard like I don't think I ever slept my freshman year people were in the studio <laughs> to like five or six o'clock in the morning it was really crazy like I never ever slept I was never at home when I did sleep I probably was in the studio trying to sleep like at eight o'clock before my nine o'clock class is Auburn and again I don't really know I guess too much about the art school well, I wouldn't say art schools with the art departments that are at colleges in Alabama, but I didn't know that Auburn's 
program was that rigorous. Yeah. I, I just figured it was like with most, because I mean, I, I didn't major in, in art. I majored in, in math and it wasn't really anything where like, if you didn't pass, of course, you couldn't proceed on. But it wasn't something where like you got cut from the major <laughs> Yeah. if you weren't up to snuff, because there were people that just saw it all the way through for four years with like a straight C average and, and graduated. But I didn't know it was that rigorous oh. uh, at Auburn. Wow. Yeah, it really is. I think when I started, like it was like, name top 25 design schools on some lists then I know maybe like a couple of months ago I seen it again being ranked so a lot of people know of Auburn design like a lot of my classmates one guy worked with IBM I have two close friends that are working at design firms in New York so it's really hard to get into and a lot of designers like come out with really big jobs so yeah it's kind of surprised because it's in Alabama which is like a reason why I was okay with going to Auburn because when I realized I wanted to do this design, I saw that the program was really like highly ranked. And then with Alabama, like they didn't really have like a graphic design major, so that's kind of why I was like okay with going to Auburn. I got you. I got you. In the bio that you had sent me when we were sort of getting the interview together, you mentioned that you were a member of the team for the Auburn Fast rebrand. Was this something that you did once you graduated and then started working for Auburn University? Okay, tell me about that. Okay, so I graduated in December of 2013, a semester early because I enrolled in 2010, but because I got into the program quicker, I was able to do like a summer class. And so after graduation, maybe like a month in, this guy named Will Flowers, he's like a marketing guy. He came in and like we really sat down and like really re-envisioned Auburn because a lot of times when you think of Auburn, it's like very traditional. And before I got there and before he got there, Auburn football was like, you knew Auburn football, but as far as like aesthetically or graphics, mm-hmm. it just really didn't stand out. Like a lot of the yeah. stuff was kind of like old or it looked outdated came up with like Auburn Fast because Coach Malzahn had just came and they had the season of 2013, which was unbelievable. They made it all the way to the championship, but lost. But so it's like coming off of the year, like a new era. And so we really wanted to go with like the Auburn Fast because Malzahn is known for going really, really fast. And so we came up with Auburn Fast and that's when I did the Develop Fast graphics. I don't know if you've seen them before. They were for the 2014 NFL draft. Oh, yeah, I saw, I think you have those on your Behance profile, right? Yeah, with Trey Mason, Grit Robertson. Yeah. Yeah, so those were like my first designs with the Auburn Fast brand. And a lot of times when I talk to people, those are like the first or last thing they ask about. Everybody really liked those. And just that whole brand of like cool, new, like light design, not using too many fonts and not really using like the navy and orange as like primary colors to kind of go on with mm-hmm. that light grayish to kind of make it cool fast so that was a really cool thing to be on and like working with somebody that's like mostly a marketing mind really made me rethink the way I design because a lot of times you just want to design design but you don't really think about like what audience you're trying to hit and like is this going to work for the people I'm designing for so right well I gotta say when I saw them I mean they look great I mean it's really a testament to your skill. I mean, they, they really look great. What was the design scene like at Auburn? Like, I know you, you mentioned what the program was like, but was there kind of a, a design scene in the city or in the college, that kind of thing? Not really. I mean, my classmates, like, for my freshman year and sophomore year, like, those are the only people I kind of hung out with. So 
I guess like we did design stuff, but there weren't any like art shows in town because it's, I mean, in Alabama and it's in the South. So right. there's not really a design scene, but we were really caught up in design. So I would say we made our own scene, but there wasn't like a, oh, there's like a design studio down the road we can go to. So I would kind of say not really, but we were really invested in design and our teachers were really invested in it. And sometimes we would have speakers from like past alumni that work with different companies. And now there was a there's an AIGA student group there, I believe, at Auburn. Were you a part of that? Well, no, I wasn't because when I paid, well, funny story, I paid my money, but somehow my check got lost. And so I had paid like a hundred bucks, but Ooh. yeah. And so I was kind of like, you know, man, that's a lot of money to go. And I think they had like two or three meetings, but I couldn't really go because my check never made it. And it was weird. But yeah, I never was like part of AIGA. So it's interesting you mentioned that because I remember AIGA. I've been a member now for about a year and I'm a part of their diversity and inclusion task force. And so one of the things that I do is I talk to HBCUs about how they can get student groups started there. And of course, you know, I look at what other schools are doing with student groups and things like that. But one of the big sort of points of contention that we would get back from students is that it's so expensive for the membership. I think now it's I think it's 50 now for the year. Uh-huh. But even still, to start a student group, you've got to have 10 students and an advisor. And some of the, the HBCUs don't have departments that are that large to have 10 students. But then even the ones that do, the students are saying that like the $50 is pretty cost prohibitive. It's interesting because when I brought that back up, <laughs> AIGA, the response that I got back was like, oh, that's not that much. <laughs> if, they, if they can buy a video game or if they can go to a concert, you know, then surely they can invest $50 in their future and blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, I get that, but you know, as a college student, your money is limited. Yeah. <laughs> unless you've got a job. And granted, yeah, you may have $50 to pay for a video game or a concert, but that's an experience when you're buying, you know, like an AIGA membership, you may not see that direct benefit of spending $50 on this. But if you buy a video game, you know, you'll get X number of hours of enjoyment. If you go to a concert, you know, you'll get X number of hours of enjoyment out of that. Cause it's like, it's an experience. Yeah. $50 is a lot. And a hundred dollars, I was really hurt after that. And like, so the next time I could be a member, it was kind of hard to join for like a hundred bucks and I knew they had a couple of meetings, but like you said, there was really nothing big for me to be like, Oh, I really need to join. And then I was the only black girl in my cohort. And out Hmm. of the whole program, there was one other black girl and a black guy and they were in senior projects. So they graduated a semester after I got in. So out of like 150, maybe 200 students, I was the only black person for, you know, a long time. So that's kind of like another reason. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? Was it isolating? Well, I wouldn't say isolating because my really like best friend, she was white and she was in my classes. So like I kind of had her all through college and I really didn't have many black friends. (laughs) Like my first freshman year, sophomore year, I only really like found the black people at Auburn during my junior and senior year. And that's when I joined the sorority. But other than that, like it was like, I didn't really think that I was the only 
black person until like sometimes there would be like comments like oh you know you're the only black person but other than that it wasn't like an isolation but it still was kind of like where are the black people and then going to Auburn it's like a PWI so there's not that many black people even when you find the black people I hear you I can understand where you're coming from with that I mean even when I remember I was visiting colleges when I was in high school I don't know if we went to Auburn I know we went to Alabama and a, a couple of other schools, but seeing that that kind of division in a way, I would wonder, like, as you're kind of already in this very rigorous program, and then you sort of have possibly this other isolation on top of it. But, it, you know, like you said, you joined a sorority. You already had friends that were white. Not saying that for people that <laughs> don't have friends that are white, it would be a bad thing. I'm not saying yeah. that. But, but you had ways to kind of offset that if that even did kind of creep up. So that's yeah. a good thing. Talk to me kind of about the sports design industry, because I don't know if that's something that a lot of designers kind of consider as an industry to to really kind of get into. And I know that actually there's been several people on the show that have been into sports design. Sed Funches, D'Artagnan Winford, Britt Davis have all done a lot with sports design. Talk to me kind of about that industry. Well, I would say like, it's not something most people know about. Like going to school, they never tell you like, you can do sports design, but just like within the past year, I've got to meet a lot of people in sports design. And it's kind of one of those things where people that love sports but aren't really good at it end up going into like sports design if they love design too. And it's kind of like um, you get two for the price of one. So I really love sports, but I'm not that good at sports and I'm kind of short. So I'm probably never going to be a professional athlete. Being able to design using athletes and stuff is is a really good experience and it's also like satisfying to be like, oh, you know, I did this with Cam Noon and I got to meet him because I'm a designer for a sports team. Oh, nice. And then just working with Auburn, like any random day in the office, like Cam may walk in or Bo Jackson or, you know, Michael Irvin was there for A Day. So just like that, I get to be a design nerd and like nobody really knows what I do in the office and the football players don't know what I do, but I get to be around <laughs> them and the coaches, like I worked with them and they don't really know what I do. They just know I can help them do what they need. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, it's a cool place to get into. The only thing like bad I would say about it is that something I've noticed a lot of times people are so hungry to get into sports design that, Sometimes you have schools or like coaches that take advantage of people and they'll be like, oh, you know, can you do some free work for me? We'll give you a free T-shirt or let you come to the game for free, mm. but we don't pay you. Yeah. So that's like the bad thing about that, because I think especially now so many people in this sports design, but people are starting to like set themselves short because they want to work with teams like Auburn or like the Lakers and they'll do anything to just get a start. But what they don't realize is if you're doing free work, why do we have to pay somebody else to do it? What advice would you give for people that want to get into sports design? I would say intern, you know, reach out to different teams because a lot of people are on Twitter, like a lot of uh, recruiting people, athletic directors, designers for different teams. I've found so many people through Twitter. I would say contact them, follow them on Behance, just reach out. But I would also say if somebody reaches out to you and wants you to do design for free, don't do it because you're going to dilute the market. Right. What's been your favorite project to work on? Well, besides the Auburn Fast stuff, I got to work with one of the coaches from the Green Bay Packers. I don't know if that was about bio or not, 
But that was a really fun project. I actually worked with him two times, once in their starting the season off and then another time when they were in the playoffs. And I was going to do Super Bowl stuff, but they lost to Seattle, which is heartbreaking because I love Seattle, but I was like, I want to do stuff <laughs> for Green Bay. And I watched the game, and, like, randomly they were up, like, two touchdowns, and I woke up in the middle of the half, and then they lost the game. It was crazy. But that was, like, <laughs> my favorite project. But I was also mad because it was just a crazy game, and they lost. So, yeah. <laughs> so when you're doing design, you, you know, you kind of just touched on this. Your client, or I guess the the main stakeholder that you're answering to is the coach. It's not like a marketing person or something like that. Yeah. When I first started at Auburn, I was working like directly with coaches like Gardner. With Malzahn, there's always somebody in between him, but not a marketing guy, more of like an assistant or one of the other coaches. So 99% the people that I work with, they don't know anything about design or they're not designers. They're not marketing people. So they're just like, you know, throw 10 people on this poster and, you know, get it done within an hour. But my boss, he's the only marketing guy I work with and he dabbles in design. He probably can do like as much as I do. So, yeah, besides him, everybody I worked with at Auburn, they were either coaches or recruiting assistants, different things like that. Now, there's a project that you're working on, a personal project called In the Trenches. Talk to me about that. I started In the Trenches maybe August or September of last year. Just working at Auburn, like a lot of times being only one or two designers, I really wanted to see what other people were doing. And so I would see on Twitter or Behance, like randomly at the blue, like different designs from people at Alabama or like the coaches would be like, oh, Ohio State is doing this. Can we get you to do this? And I'll be like, well, I don't know who designed this. I want to see if I can find a guy. So I end up going on Twitter and I found one guy. I think his name is Sammy from Ohio State. So I followed him and I just started following different guys. And one day I was just kind of like thinking maybe I should just make a Twitter account, like just reposting their work or kind of like trying to get to know them or like talk to them about design or like just really try to find a place where designers can find out who's making those designs. Cause something I found out now is everybody's seeing everybody's work, but nobody ever knew who was responsible for it. And that's kind of where the idea of in the trenches came from. And the name, I think it actually was like the first football game versus Arkansas. And I was on the field and it's like really hot. I'm like, man, you know, down here in the trenches and nobody even knows I'm down here. Nobody even (laughs) knows me, but I'm like working so hard. Like, (laughs) and so that's kind of where the name came from. It's a great name. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really great name. What kind of feedback have you gotten from the design community since you started it? It's been really amazing. Like, you'll be surprised on a daily basis of how many designers from, you know, the guy I follow from Ohio, he followed me and, like, DM'd me. Because probably for, like, the first three to four months, nobody knew who I was. Because I'm a very, like, introverted person. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'll follow you, but I don't want you to know who I am. And so people would DM (laughs) me, like, who are you? Like, we love the page. Like, we follow you all the time. And, like, you know, can we get a name? (laughs) And I would just be like, I don't know. And then I worked for Auburn, so it would be like, I'll be posting, you know, Alabama stuff. And it's like, you know, that's supposed to be the enemy. But as far as design, like, I love the, <laughs> the guy's enemy. work up there. <laughs> so probably into December, I revealed who I was. And it's still not really known. Like, 
the people who follow me back then, they knew I, know who I am, but some of my new followers, they still have no idea who I am. So You yeah. like to keep that little element of mystery? Yeah, you know, I like to keep it a mystery. I like to keep people excited to see who I am. And then they find out and they're like shocked because a lot of people, like 90% of the people think I'm a guy. And then probably mm-hmm. like 100% of people think I'm like a white guy. And so when they find out I'm like a black girl, they're super, super shocked. You should put yourself out there a little <laughs> more. I'm pretty sure a lot of people would be really, I mean, not just, I think, surprised, but I think also inspired. You know, they're like, oh, this is a black woman that really loves sports. And she's also doing like this amazing sports design, just like a little bit at a time, you know, yeah. like whatever you're, you're comfortable with. Everyone kind of has to come to their own process when it relates to the visibility. But your work is being seen, of course, you know, by thousands of people probably more than that so it's a thought yeah i mean every now and then i'll post something of mine but i'll never be like i'm the owner go follow me so (laughs) (laughs) i did it that one time and i haven't since so but yeah i mean people follow me when they find out who i am i guess like if you look on my linkedin and different places like you'll find that i own it so what keeps you motivated and inspired to to keep continuing this work my design work or just the in the trenches work or both? We'll say both. For me, like design is like my unconscious love. Like even when I'm off of work or like on vacation, my computer is with me 24 seven. I'm the nerdy kid is like, I'll go to a restaurant and I'm looking at a menu or I'll drop a picture of like my favorite singer or my favorite basketball player. That just keeps me motivated. Like the excitement about what I do and I just love to create and when I'm looking on Behance or down my Twitter feed I just see all this amazing stuff and I want to like recreate it or make stuff that's better or just create the ideas that are in my head so like even when I don't want to design I'm like oh I'm so tired of working all day like I see something that's really cool and I'm like I gotta jot this down or oh this is gonna be a cool design let me whip something up or if I'm not designing I love to take pictures so I'm just constantly doing design and I'm constantly inspired by everything that I see whether it's like on TV or if I go out to a new city I've actually been to Atlanta so many times this summer but every time I go I'm like inspired by everything that I see and I'm like oh I want to go make a new design or oh let me get my camera out I'm going to take new pictures so I think everyone that grew up in a small town in Alabama has probably been to Atlanta like like dozens (laughs) of times I know when I was a kid it was always Going to Six Flags, like <laughs> end of the year trip, like for, you know, in school or something like that. So speaking of new city, you're a fairly new resident to Dallas. What's the transition been like kind of going from small town to really big town? It's very, very different. I came by myself. It was like a 10 hour drive, which luckily one of my good friends from college drove with me. But like the city is just faster. There's so many different people. And one thing compared to Alabama, like, it's so diverse. Like, there are so many different cultures, so many different people. And it's been, like, a really big change, but I love it. Because kind of, like I said, I used to go to Atlanta a lot. And mm-hmm. just getting that taste of, like, the world is so much bigger than Childersburg or so much bigger than Auburn. I really love it. And it's been great. <laughs> it's been kind of scary. But I really like it a lot. Have you sort of looked into what the design scene is like? In Dallas? I was just in Dallas, uh, when was that? Last year in like September. So I got to see kind of the 
what was the, the part of that town called? Deep Ellum? Okay, yeah, I've heard I got about to see, it. like, part of that and everything. Yeah. Have you sort of gotten into the Dallas design scene? Not really. I actually was checking out the Dallas AIGA because I actually want to join. But I was looking on their Twitter account, and it didn't seem very active. So I was going to ask some coworkers or, like, some people that were, like, artists to see if they knew more about it. Other than that and, like, at work... I haven't really been able to dig into it. I heard about Deep Ellum, and I planned on going there this weekend. So, yeah. If you want, I can connect you to Gus Granger. Gus owns 70 KFT, which is a, a branding firm in Dallas. Okay. And he was a former president of the AIJ Dallas Fort Worth chapter. Black guy, too. Oh, so I can, okay. I'll connect you with him. So he can probably give you some ideas on kind of the Dallas design scene and and stuff to do and things like that. So I think that would be a, a good kind of relationship to foster there. Okay, yeah, I'll definitely be excited about that. So with your work that you're doing at Panini, like, talk to me, like, what's a typical day like? Like, how do you approach a new project? All that kind of stuff. Since we work with, like, trading cards and high-end stuff, I can't really, like, speak on my exact day because, you know, the stuff we're oh. working on is, like, confidential. Right. But since I just started, I'm pretty much – learning the base of design like I always thought I was like a killer in Photoshop and now some of the stuff I'm learning there like at Auburn I would probably start a project in either InDesign or like just go right into Photoshop there you build like all your vector objects and pretty much the entire design in Illustrator and then you convert it to Photoshop so that's like a whole different design thinking for me so I've really Mm -hmm. been like slowly learning but I really enjoy it because it's really like opening my mind up to design is so much bigger than I thought it was so I thought I was a bro but now I'm really not because there's so much I don't know but I feel like this also helped me grow into a really good designer so I've only oh, yeah. been there for two weeks that I feel like I've learned so much like when, oh that's right you just started yeah. so yeah you're still kind of just started kind of getting your sea legs yeah <laughs> What's something that you're like incredibly proud of doing now that really kind of scared you at the beginning as it relates to like your design work? My work at Panini or just everything I've just done like, so far? Yeah, just ev- everything you've done so far. Really probably my like Photoshop work, even though now I feel like I'm not even good at all. But a lot of times like when I was just starting off in design, I would see these really cool photo effects and I always wanted to learn how to do that stuff, but I never like thought I could do it. And so just looking back at like my Auburn Fast stuff or just some of my abilities to manipulate photos, I'm really proud of the way that I kind of like transitioned into not knowing anything at all into like learning how to do those things. I'm also like just kind of proud of myself in the fact that I'm continuing to grow as a designer because I feel like with design, you can go to school for it. You could do it for five years and you still never know what you're doing. Like you'll not never know what you're doing, but you'll there is always something more to learn. And so I feel like I always make myself like able to learn more, always looking at different tutorials or always trying to find something new to learn to like keep up with society. Well, like, I mean, you know, design is changing. The tools that we use are changing. There's, different trends every year. So yeah, design is always kind of morphing and shifting and changing to, to kind of what the times are. So I can, I can understand that. What would be like your idea of a perfect project to work on? 
my dream since I was a kid is like to work with Nike. So any project working with Nike would be like a dream. Um, I guess if I had to like go into a detailed project, it would probably be like working with Nike developing a new brand for like Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. Nike, I could see that. Nike actually has a, there are a few black designers, prominent black designers that work for Nike. Mostly I think on the Jordan brand. Oh yeah. Um, like designing uh, footwear and stuff like that. <laughs> One person that I interviewed back in February, oh, that was it February? Back in February, Gitamba Sila and Gita. He now works at Nike as a, as a product manager. So okay. Nike always kind of has a lot of, I think, diverse talent behind the scenes that's working. So with the work I think that you're doing now, it wouldn't surprise me if a brand like Nike kind of saw that and wanted to work with you because it's it's great work. I got to say, I, I mean, I was really impressed by your portfolio. Thank you. I'm always like shocked when people say that because I just always <laughs> think that I'm like mediocre and people are like, your stuff is amazing. And I'm always like, I'm OK, but I seen you know, a lot better. So <laughs> I'm always just very shocked by that. Let's say that you had like the opportunity to give like teenage Tiffany some career advice. What would you tell her? I would probably tell her that her work is good and that she shouldn't be so focused with like trying to keep up with everybody, but to just kind of do her own thing and like put her own style on things. Because that's something I feel like I've had to learn over the years is that I'm always looking at different work, but I'm finally like at that point where I see I have my own personal style and to like really put that into my work. Have you had any kind of mentors or anything that have helped you out along the way? Not really. Probably back in my sophomore, maybe junior year, we had a project for like art history where we had to reach out to a designer working in the real world. And surprisingly, I found this guy that I think he worked at Nike for maybe like a year or so. His name is Yupendo Taylor. He's a really good designer and he's like an artist and a painter. And I reached out to him and he gave me some really good advice. And so that's probably like the only designer I've ever really like got any advice from and I would kind of like reach out to him every now and then and just like kind of get his advice on stuff and another designer he is like the global design manager or brand developed guy for Nike his name is Michael Splorgic and I really really loved his work and I would like send him my whole portfolio and be like um can you give me feedback on this and he would and so that was really helpful that's good. That's good. I mean, I think it's always good when other, you know, kind of working professionals out there are willing to kind of help the next generation of designers. I feel like that, you know, for those especially that have been working in the field for a while, they should have that professional obligation to do that. So that's good that you've been able to kind of reach out and do that. And I guess you can also connect with people through in the trenches, right? Yeah, I've actually like met a lot of different designers and so they'll you know like I was saying earlier a lot of people would DM me like you know can you post my work or some people might even ask my opinion on work and I'm like I'm not even you know like a great great designer so you want my opinion I'm always like kind of scared to give people advice on their work because I don't want to like say something wrong and you know sometimes design can be like something I may not like somebody else may like so yeah when I do give advice, I try to give good advice and not like, oh, I hate this because this is my opinion. So maybe like, oh, you should turn this a little more or add more space. Hmm. Well, I think, you know, 
as designers kind of have their own style, I think you can give your own opinions on stuff. You know, like you said, different designers have different tastes and different styles and stuff like that. So the summer is kind of ending up. We're kind of coming to a close with the summer. What other plans and things do you have like for the rest of the year? Well, I eventually want to like do an In the Trenches conference where all of the followers are able to like meet in person. And so that's something I've been working on, which probably wouldn't even happen until like late 2016, maybe 2017. So I really just want to develop that more. But I guess me working full time job is kind of making the process slower. But that's why I like the main thing I'm working on right now besides working at Panini. Okay. Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up here with our interview, where can our audience find out more about you and about your work online? Of course, they can follow me on In the Trenches. It's In the Trenches 30 um, on Twitter. And then my personal account is TIP underscore Middleton on Twitter and Instagram. And then I have a website, which is just TiffanyMiddleton.com. All right. Sounds good. Tiffany Middleton, again, thank you so, so much for taking time out to talk to me today about kind of the work that you're doing in sports design. I really feel like that's a really exciting field to be in because, you know, sports is something that is such a time-honored American tradition and so many people buy into it. So the fact that you're able to do the kind of work that could potentially be seen by like hundreds of thousands of millions of people is, is really exciting. So thank you again so much. I appreciate it. Oh, no. Thank you for having me. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Tiffany Middleton, and of course, thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Tiffany and her work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Thanks, of course, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. When it comes down to email marketing, MailChimp makes it extremely simple. They have really great reporting and autoresponder features, and you can send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers for free. No contracts and no credit card required. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names, and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover, and save 10% off your purchase by using the promo code BACKTOSCHOOL at checkout. And lastly, there's Creative Market, a marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators from around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com and pick up those six free goods that are available for free every Monday. And if you see something else that you like, use our discount code REVISIONPATH and save 20% off your purchase. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intro is by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio, This Is My Tape For You, is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you're subscribed to us over on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps us get new listeners, and I'll even read your review right here on the show. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit our new home over at Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash revision path and pledge your support. Pledge level started just $1 per month, and you'll get access to behind-the-scenes information about the show, upcoming interviews, giveaways, and so much more. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.